Well, it ends really epic, doesn't it? I never know quite how to follow that. I know. I feel like there should be some pyrotechnics or something. Can we make that happen next week? Um, all right. Uh, well done. Well done. You guys have beaten the system. You have beaten the hour change. Um, I am impressed. I am impressed. Um, it's always the hard one this way around, isn't it? It's always the hard one. It's always the time where you're like, oh, really? Do I have to get up an hour earlier? And, um, you know, no one tells kids, do they? Like, you know, like the way our iPhones like just reset automatically. It'd be really helpful if someone could fit a chip in my children and that happened. Because uh, normally they're like wide awake and ready at the beginning of the day. But on days like today, where the hour has changed, they are still fast asleep. And it feels so cruel. They're, like, they're, I mean, they're normally wrestling somewhere around uh, on the floor. Uh, but when they're asleep, they look so angelic, don't they? Like butter wouldn't melt. Uh, you say that here? No, you guys are just like. Do you know? The more the more I open my mouth here, I've been six months here. The more I open my mouth, the more I realise people just are looking at me like, "What on earth is he saying?" I don't understand. I need a translator. Could do with a translator. Um, you know, and and kind of it feels so mean shaking them awake. Come on. Anyway, well done. You have beaten the system. You've beaten it. You are here, and it is good to have you. Um, I'm excited for Dare to Love coming up. Uh, really simple. Uh, a while ago, uh, I love that uh, verse in, in uh, 1 John, which talks about we love because he first loved us. And so a really simple idea that over the course of a week, we can show love to the world around us, whether that's in our workplaces, whether that's in our uh, sports clubs or our neighborhoods, our social circles, whatever uh, whatever places we find ourselves, wherever we set foot, a really simple way that we can show love to the world around us. And there's five, uh, I know there's seven days of the week, but there's five days of Dare to Love. Um, I've not missed two out. It's intentional because there's five working days um, and five days where people are at school or college or um, university, whatever you guys call things here. Um, and um, five themes for those days with five dares that go along with those themes. And um, we're going to have those booklets uh, that Beck mentioned earlier. We're going to have them available next week and t-shirts that will say because you love that you guys um, can um, can get as well. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then we've got some uh, events organized as well. I'm excited for those. The launch, um, potluck. Anyone else slightly worried about potluck? Because to me, potluck sounds a little bit like you may or may not get something tasty. Uh, it's, it's a bit hit and miss. It's potluck. Um, I don't know. It's like finger buffet. That creeps me out. The idea of a buffet full of little fingers. <laughs> anyway, potluck in my head sounds a bit like you may or may not be, you know, get food poisoning afterwards. Um, but we are expecting good things. I'm expecting good things. Just while I gather my thoughts and get myself, uh, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm signing up if Howard makes his brisket. That oh, was only a joke. It's only a joke. It's only a joke. <laughs> it's only a joke. I feel like he's doing it. <laughs> I'm definitely signing up then. 
All right. Have you ever have you ever had a little bit of a, a moment where you wonder what what are we here for? Um, if we if we pop to the next slide, I, our, our boys when they were growing up uh, were super curious, super inquisitive. Now it's hard to kind of peel them away from their computer games. But when they were little, they wanted to get out. They wanted to figure out the world. They wanted to to find out what is going on and uh, we would go to the local forest or we'd go down to the beach and uh, and kind of Beck would be kind of uh, there with them and they'd be finding little creepy crawlies. Nothing's poisonous there so um, y- you can go digging and it's all right. Um, you know, uh, we would... Uh, we would go down to the beach. We'd fr- there are jellyfish. Uh, jellyfish. Uh, you have to be a little bit careful, but you would like uncover all sorts of cool stuff. Um, and like they were super curious. They wanted to figure the world out. They wanted to know what was going on and how everything worked. And have you ever, in those moments, just in a quiet moment of life, kind of thought, "What is? Th- what, what's the point? What, what is life all about? Why do we? Why are we here? Why are we on this planet? What is this? What, what is life all about?" Or is it just me who has the occasional crisis of kind of, you know, what is it called? An existential crisis. Um, Big word for you. Um, uh, You know, sometimes, sometimes it's easy to wonder what life is all about. Sometimes it's easy to wonder, is there a purpose? Are we, are we here at some kind of random um, um, chance uh, and, and some purely by accident, all the world somehow came together? And then when you start to peel back the layers of, uh, of the world and the layers of everything, it's hard, to, it's hard to, 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 to imagine that anyone can actually believe that everything happened by random. Um, because there's so many intricate workings of the way things work, but still it doesn't answer that question of what are we here for? Why are we here? Well, I believe that we are on this planet and we are here because our glorious Father, our glorious Creator, wanted to share His world, His universe, with someone like you, with someone like me. I believe that we are here because of His great love because he set everything into motion but he wanted to share it all with us you know in the beginning of the bible in genesis it talks about god creating everything it talks about after each day he saw that it was good and he sat back and he enjoyed his creation but there was something missing until the day that he created someone to share it with And I believe that God has put us here on this planet because he wanted to share his world with us. And um, at the beginning of time, as he set everything into motion, as his words spoke the world into being, we find this incredible uh, moment where he brings chaos into order. He sets into motion something new and something uh, beautiful. And he sets into motion the world that we see around us. And I think God, we sang it earlier. We sang it about how he uh, sets into motion uh, the sunrise and the sunset. You know, I think God began everything. And as he spoke creation into being, I think he still is a creative God. I think he's still making things new. 
I think he's still uh, bringing order to chaos. I think he's still in that business. And the incredible thing is, is that as we have been adopted into the kingdom, as we've been adopted into the family of God, we've been welcomed into the family business. And the, our purpose in life is the family business. Our purpose in life is his business. And his business is making all things new. His business is bringing order into chaos. His business is making things beautiful, bringing things alive, bringing us alive, bringing our world alive. Isaiah puts it really well, I think, when he writes in chapter 43. He says, for I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Wild animals in the fields will thank me and the jackals and the owls too for giving them uh, water, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. You know, growing up in Manchester uh, and then living in Northern Ireland, I don't know much about dry race, wastelands. Um, it's not something I'm particularly familiar with. Perhaps you guys, uh, as in the Texas summers, may be more, uh, you know, uh, may be more familiar with that kind of idea. Uh, most things, there's, there's a reason that Ireland is called the Emerald Isle. It rains a lot and it's always green. I'm not familiar with this idea. But as uh, I begin to think about God refreshing our world, it begins to excite me, the idea of what our political landscapes might look like, what our cultures might look like, what our music industry, our uh, business world, what our different uh, spheres and environments may look like if it begins to uh, be refreshed by God's living spirit and God's presence. That's a compelling picture of what life could be like. It's a compelling idea of what our literary culture, our local government, our healthcare, our internet, of our music industries, of our, our, our art culture, our planning and our developments, what those could look like if God's refreshing spirit begins to flow through. And that is what he invites us to partner with him on. That is the family business that he invites us into. And you know, in that, he's set into motion, he's set into, into that um, invitation, uh, a principle, a pattern, if you like. If we uh, click to the next. He is set into our purpose. If we click to the next, I think I've gotten ahead of myself slightly. He's set into that purpose, a real key principle, that if we use what he has given us, if we use the opportunities, if we use the skills, if we use the uh, resources that he has put in our lives, then he will multiply it. That as we work to refresh our world and as we work to bring life to the environments that we set foot in, as we work to bring his kingdom into those areas of our lives and our neighborhoods and our communities, as we work to bring life to those areas he will multiply it 
If we use what we have, what he has given us, the gifts, the personalities, the skills, the resources, uh, what is in our hands, if we will use those to advance his kingdom, then he will multiply it. There's also a little bit of a warning in there that if we don't use what we have, if we decide to hide it away and, and, and uh, bury it, and we decide to uh, ignore what he has put in our, um, our hands and our, the opportunities that he has put in our pathways, then we'll begin to lose it. And we notice, with, we find this in Matthew 25, 29, the New Living Translation says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. The NIV puts it like this. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. For unto, sorry, the King James I'm moving on to now. For unto everyone that hath, shall be given. I feel like I'm Shakespeare and I'm reading the King James. For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. Whew, that's a mouthful. You know, God has set this principle into, uh, into that invitation. That invitation to partner with him, to, to go about the family business. He set this principle in to that. that whatever we have in our hands, whatever we choose to use for his kingdom, he will multiply it. It will be pressed down, it will be shaken, and it will be multiplied. And, uh, you know, many of us will be familiar with the story of David and Goliath. It's been a, to a tale that's been told for years and years and years. Ever since the Bible, it was passed down from generation to generation, uh, audibly and verbally. Uh, and ever since it was written down, this has been a tale that we've told time and time again. And it's become this amazing legend of the underdog, hasn't it? It's become this amazing legend of uh, come to represent. In fact, we often use the phrase, uh, they're, they're felling Goliath. You know, when the underdog uh, in a sports team or something will hear it creep in, this story of how David um, conquered Goliath, this story of an underdog. But do you know what? I'm not so sure that we've got it right. I'm not so sure that David really was an underdog. And there's a reason before you, before you start stoning me for heresy, it's not just because I'm English. There is a reason behind why I think that David isn't necessarily an underdog. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, 32, we pick up the story. Let's quickly read it and I'll explain where I'm going with this. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight. And Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion and a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, and I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, and I struck it, and I killed it. That doesn't sound like an underdog, eh? Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. 
because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. And the story carries on. David, of course, uh, tries on. Uh, Saul's trying to give uh, David the armor. Saul tries this. Uh, David tries on this armor, and he's like, no, I've not tried and tested this. It doesn't fit me properly. I'm just going to go out with what I know. And, uh, and he runs out into the battlefield, and he runs out, and, uh, and he says, come on. And it's kind of awesome. I feel like it's maybe a brave heart moment. Come on, Frida. He's screaming uh, that God uh, will, will deal with uh, Goliath. And Goliath's like, hey, what are you doing uh, coming at me with, uh, you know, why are you coming at me with a stick uh, and stones? What's going on? Um, and, and, you know, David takes that stone puts it in his sling and he starts to whirl it around and around and around. And as he gets closer and at the point where he knows he can hit Goliath, he hurls it, he lets it go, he releases it and it flies in a, in a true and perfect line until it hits Goliath right between the eyes and takes him clean out. You know... We talk about this being an underdog. We talk about David being uh, this young lad who goes against this incredible, huge monster of a man. But the thing is, there's something that we've maybe missed in this story, maybe misunderstood. I don't think David is an underdog because in those days, there was three different parts of an army. There was the infantry, there was the artillery, and there was the cavalry. And the infantry were the foot soldiers, very much like today. They were the soldiers that took, uh, took the battle to close quarters, and they went into battle on foot, and they hand-to-hand -hand combat. That was what Goliath was expecting. That was what Goliath was offering uh, when he was saying, come and fight me, he was offering a challenge for someone to come out and fight him in hand-to-hand -hand combat. But you see, the slingers were part, along with the uh, bowmen, they were part of the artillery. And the slingers, those who used the sling, uh, were part of the artillery who could, uh, from 200 yards, they could hit a moving bird. They, uh, scientists have, have done studies and they reckon that um, uh, the, the stone from a sling had the stopping power of a 0.45 um, 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 caliber gun. So David was not an underdog. David was not going into this battle unprepared. It wasn't like he had got this notion of, hey, I've got a, a bit of cloth with me and I've got a few stones on the floor. Um, you know, he wasn't going into this unprepared. He'd honed his skills. He'd been uh, in the wilderness in his father's, uh, minding his father's flocks uh, in the fields, and he'd rescued sheep. He'd faithfully honed his skills in those moments where nobody saw him, in those moments where, um, where danger lurked all around. 
in those moments, he'd honed his skills. He was no underdog going into that battle. He was prepared and he was using the skills that he had in his hand to take out Goliath. And I think that's really important for us to think about this morning. And my question is, what moments in your life are helping you to hone the skills that are going to equip you for a moment when David stepped up, like David stepped up to take out Goliath? What is it that is in your hand that you can use to bring life, to bring freedom, to bring hope, to bring refreshment to the world around you? And as we think about that, I think, you know, it raises a, maybe a, perhaps another question. If we uh, pop to the next slide. Oh, there we go. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place with the slides today. Here we go. Um, if, we, if we think about that, what do you have in your hand that can bring life, can bring hope, can bring freedom, can bring refreshment to the world around you? I think it sometimes perhaps though raises another question and um, you know Peter in the Bible uh, I really really identify with Peter um, and I feel a bit sorry for him at times because he does in the Gospels get painted as a little bit of a bumbling kind of um, um, idiot at times um, you know and I feel he gets a little bit of a bad rap because he's always painted as this kind of gung-ho uh, guy who's got a serious case of foot in mouth syndrome he's always saying the wrong thing or coming up with the wrong eye ideas and Jesus is like oh no and the kind of face palm moments I feel like um, you know from Jesus but there's a there's one moment I think that that I really identify with and it's in Matthew 14 22 to 33 it's the moment where Peter steps out of the boat and begins to walk on the water um, following Jesus example this is what the passage says Matthew 14 22 to 33 Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up onto the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw that he was walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid of it. And he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Incredible story, hey? Peter had this incredible faith to step out of the boat. Incredible faith to get out and follow Jesus. But there's something um, that, that I find a little bit odd about the story. Uh, I don't know about you, but growing up in church, I kind of was always taught that, um, that, that maybe this was a, a story of, of, of Peter doubting God's power. 
this, this uh, story of, of Peter doubting God's miraculous ability uh, and God's supernatural ability. But there's something that troubles me about that because I don't know about you, but Jesus is there, stood right in front of Peter. Jesus is stood there, he's not sinking. So it troubles me that Peter would doubt that Jesus couldn't do, didn't have the power to do this. The waves are hitting Peter. Maybe a, a, a splash of a wave hits him in the face and he begins to, to sink and he begins to think. And I think he begins to question, perhaps, whether he really could do what Jesus was doing. I wonder whether what he really was doubting was whether he could do what Jesus was doing. And he'd been with Jesus and Jesus had been preparing the disciples Throughout the three years, Jesus had been preparing the disciples to, uh, to follow in his footsteps, to do what he did, to, um, to see miracles performed in the way that he performed them, to, see, um, to preach in the way that he, and, and declare salvation and, and usher in the kingdom in the way that Jesus did that. And I wonder, in that moment, whether Peter had a crisis of faith in himself, Perhaps not faith in Jesus, but faith in himself. And I wonder how much sometimes uh, when the question of, okay, what are we going to do to bring hope and life and freedom and, and, and refreshment to the world around us? I wonder sometimes whether the question is not whether we believe that Jesus can do it, but whether we do believe that we can do it. And you know what? This morning, he believes in you. This morning, he says, come, because he believes in you. It's not, it's not that we do it under our own steam or our own power. It's, there's nothing miraculous about us. It's all about him. But the invitation is that we can partner with him. And if you'll dare to believe that he can do amazing things through you, then I guarantee you will see amazing things happening in the world around you. If you'll dare to use what he's put in your hands I guarantee you will see hope and life and refreshment starting to break into the world around you. Because he believes in you. Could it be that Jesus believes in us more than we believe in ourselves? Jesus believes in you. Whether you feel like it, whether you feel like you're in a field in the wilderness watching sheep, or whether you feel like you're on the battlefield facing giants, whether you feel like you're in your comfort zone. You know, the disciples who stayed in the boat, that was their familiar place. They were well-seasoned fishermen. They were probably at home on the boat as much as they were on land. Whether you feel like you're in your comfort zone, treading well-worn routines, or whether, like Peter, you're eager for adventure and sense that Jesus is calling you beyond the comfort of your boat, know this, this principle that God has set into motion. Know that if you are faithful with the opportunities and the skills that he has given and the resources that he's put in your hands, he will multiply your investment and significantly increase the impact of your efforts. Many of us will be familiar with the parable of the talents, the story that Jesus told 
to demonstrate and illustrate this principle. For some reason, I've not put the, the scripture down, but it is in the Bible, I promise you. <laughs> and I'm going to read from, from the Bible. I've just not written the reference down. Apologies. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and a bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and he earned five more. And the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and he hid the master's money. And after a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give account of how they'd used his money. The servant to whom he'd entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. And he said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned you five more. The servant, uh, sorry, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And the servant who received two bags of silver came forward and he said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned you two more. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with one bag of silver came and he said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew that I harvested crops that I didn't plant and gathered crops that I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. So those who will use that well, um, sorry, to those who use what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. In Paul's book, if we skip to this, in Paul's book, writing about this kingdom principle, he refers to this passage and he writes, Knights realize that each quest determines the next. At the end of Jesus' Jesus's imaginary tale of the three servants, he leaves us pondering the following kingdom principle found in Matthew 29, uh, 25 verse 29. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. Or for unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even what which he hath. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have, they will, will be taken away. If rubbish in, and rubbish out is the formative principle, then use it or lose it is the focal principle. It focuses us on what we have and what we do now. The king wants me to take what he has given me 
and invest wisely knowing that if I do, he will uh, give more of the same. If instead I dream about what he might give me, then while I'm waiting, he will take it away. God does not use a carrot on a stick. He does not present us with promises that we'll never be able to nibble. He does not want us to be motivated by what we might get if we serve him. Instead, he wants us to recognize that what we might get if we serve him, sorry, instead, he wants us to recognize that what we have already been given and realize that uh, we were given it to serve others and not ourselves. Line dwellers are caught calculating a sliding scale between two extremes. On one end, they see the effort and the other, the opportunity. They look for a balance and they wait for what they have to be worth the endeavor. And when it comes to serving God, line dwellers are enticed by their questions. What great thing can you give me to do now? What great thing um, will you give me that is worth me doing great? What great thing will you give me that will make me seen as great? But instead, cloud dwellers are encouraged by his questions. Questions of God sound like, will you give me the little thing that you think you have? Will you see greatness in me that can make your little go a long way? Will you risk the little that you have on those who may have even less? Cloud dwellers are, don't have a vision of vision. They have a vision of God. They don't throw away the water that they're carrying because they see a mirage. They don't deal in fantasy. They take hold of reality. So as we finish, long may our world come alive as we use whatever God has given us to advance his kingdom in our neighborhoods, our communities, and in the world in which we live. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good. You have given us so much. Father God, I pray this afternoon, God, you would highlight to us opportunities, skills, resources, things that you've put in our life that we can use to bring life to the world around us. Father God, I pray that you'd be speaking to us. Your still, small whisper would be speaking to us. God, we love you. We want to be more like you. Our hope is that we can bring your refreshment to our world. Father God, as we come to a close, pray that your Holy Spirit would begin something fresh in us. Well, it's been a pleasure having you with us gathering this morning. I want to, I want to just leave us with a final challenge. You know what we do in between here and next week is really what church is all about. How we live out God's kingdom in our world, in our workplaces, in our social circles, in our families, in our um, in our day-to-day -day lives. That's really what church is all about. But also, people volunteering helps make church function. It helps make church uh, happen, and we have various um, various 
gaps, I suppose, various opportunities that we'd love to invite you to get involved in. So we have uh, opportunities with the media team, um, we have opportunities with the, the kids' ministry, opportunities with the youth ministry, um, and opportunities with the worship team. We'd love you guys to think about what, what is it that's in your hands? What is it that skills, resources that you have that could help um, on Sunday mornings, that could help facilitate uh, our gap? We'd love to invite you. If you would love to, to partner with us, if you'd like to get involved, um, we'd love you to, 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 to partner with us and help us fuel the mission. You can do that financially, but we'd also love you to partner with us and help fuel the mission uh, in, in body and in person. We'd love you to, to help us get set up on Sunday mornings um, by, by showing up a, a little bit earlier. Um, the, the, you could help the team get the stage and get all the, the chairs and, and, and the Howard, um, all the kind of uh, facilities set up. Um, or if you uh, have some skills in music, we'd love you to connect with Becky or Ryan when he's back um, and talk about getting involved in the, in the worship team. If you have skills um, uh, and you are brilliant with children and you would love to see our young people come alive um, and you would love to see them discovering um, all that God has for them. You know, we, we're, not, we're not running a babysitting service. Uh, we're not treading water until they're 18 and we can release them into the world. But we're preparing them to do amazing things in their schools and in their communities and in their families because we believe that God believes in them just as much as God believes in us. So if you would love to, uh, to be part of that, then Becca would love to chat with you. And, uh, and also if you'd love to, to be part of our youth ministry and our student ministry, then Ryan um, would also love to chat with you. He's not here this week, so feel free to come and chat with me. Um, uh, but we'd love you to, to connect and we'd love you to get involved because we believe that you guys have something special and unique to bring to our community. So we're going to finish. Please stay. Please have coffee. Please do uh, take one of the slips uh, for the potluck. Um, so let's hope that it's not so potluck um, if we take those, um, hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll not just have uh, we'll not just have all entrees. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Um, but please feel free to take one of those. Uh, please sign up via the sign up sheet. That will give us an idea of numbers. And um, if you want more information um, about Dare to Love, you can check that out on becauseyourlove.com as well. Um, but yeah, please do hang around and uh, come and chat with us. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just seeing how long it takes before Becky just gets up and goes to get coffee. <laughs> She's desperate. She's desperate. Um, cool. Great to have you with us. And I, I really don't know how to finish now. This is just going round and round in circles. Good night. <laughs> good morning. Good evening. Whatever time of day. Where are we? <laughs>